I've got a new joint, but it was like, you know, for me, I don't know, have we started the interview? Cause I'm like already. <laughs> um, Let me go ahead and do the intro. Yeah. I went ahead and started recording, but. Yeah, do that. All right, welcome, 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 welcome. I'm Rob Wallace, this is the Zero Noise Podcast where we engage in discussion about music life and everything in between with our guests. This podcast is always brought to you by Grove Studios, the 24-7 artist and production workspace. Whether rehearsing for your next show, producing a new song, doing a podcast, or shooting a video, Grove Studios is set up for the independent creator. Right now, Grove is offering subscriptions that can help you get your project or next creation cracking off. To learn more, visit grovestudios.space. We are also brought to you by Leon Speakers, innovators in luxury home audio. Thank you very much, Leon Speakers, for your continued support of our podcast. This podcast is produced by Project Plugin and shared with all streaming platforms through Captivate. Uh, be like to be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you are hearing or seeing the podcast. I've been noticing people kind of like who do YouTube videos, they like beating people over the head about liking, sharing, and subscribing. Maybe I should, should start doing that, Kurt. <laughs> yeah, you know, put that Maybe hand like, I'm, <laughs> like, share, and subscribe, or I'm stopping right now. Yeah. You know, maybe I need to start doing that. 10 seconds. I'm stopping in 10 seconds if I don't do 10 likes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We, need at least, we need at least 50 likes before I hey. keep talking. Hey, the funny, so, the funny is, the funny is, I be seeing my kids, you know, go through this and watch this stuff. They be like, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, like it's like subconscious. Like they, they now, now, Kurt, <laughs> my life's work is to lift music and hip hop specifically as both a historical subtext yes, and the product of American culture, a medium of liberation, and the soundtrack for the search for Black freedom collectively and individually. The hip hop album as a primary source of is a primary source of critical discourse about life in America by those who create it. Therefore, we will not only discuss albums that are commonly regarded as classics or close to classics. I want to know about the music that changed the way our guests thought along the way. We'll explore how music speaks to who we are and who we desire to be. Art is not valuable if it does not challenge, if it does not ask, and if it does not respond. We acknowledge that music decorates time as art decorates space. I ask dope people to come visit with me talk about who they are, who they've been, and what they do. I also ask them to be ready to discuss an album that played a role in them becoming them. You will not hear the music we will discuss for many reasons, but you will never hear it the same afterwards. Therefore, this is a music podcast, but it is a people's podcast. And today, the person is Kurt Wallace, Curtis Wallace, a.k.a. CW Creative from the Be Creative Studio. Welcome. Welcome, Kurt. Man, man, thanks for having me. For real, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, so I encountered Kurt um, at. I'm trying to think about how we first ran across each other, but I remember we kicked it at Buff Surprise Party mm-hmm. and had a lot of common threads. First of yeah. all, Rod Wallace and Curtis Wallace are not. Related, <laughs> as far as we know, as right, far as right. we know, though, right, right, as far as we know, right. And and what's I what we we kicked it about that we kicked it about yeah. both of us being from Flint, both yeah. of us being in Flint at a yeah. similar time. Yeah, you know, I grew yeah. up in Flint. You were there. Yeah, um, which we'll talk about, and plus both of us being um, supporters of the arts. And yeah, wild. acknowledging wild. deeper connections between um, the art that we create 
or the art yeah. that we choose to support and how it interacts with our people. So sure. I know I've given some, but as I do with all my guests, I have to ask this question. Who is Kurt Wallace? Uh-huh. Curtis Wallace, excuse me. I'm a, I'm a man trying to figure that out still. Um, trying to listen, but I can tell you, you know, it it wasn't until this album we're about to discuss. Till it wasn't until I when I heard it, I I I felt the need to de- to to define that and to discover that. It wasn't until so like 2012 is when I decided to figure out who that who who is Curtis, you know, like is he you know more than just this, you know, dad, um, husband, um, you know, um, I was working, you know, in the school system um, as an educator, um, and not and not even doing it in the field of study that I went to school for. So in twenty twelve it was this album truly inspired me to discover that question, that very same question, because it was a question I asked myself, you know what I mean? And this kind of helped me break that, you know, the shell of, of discovery. And when you hear the songs, you, you you may understand why, but it was it, it was a space in my life where it was mm-hmm. really needed for me to discover that that question. So, and I'm still in the pursuit. So, but right now I do, I do think I am still that husband, that father, um, but I think I'm obligated to more than just that as a human being, as a black man, you know, as a father, as a husband, mm-hmm. as a friend to my community. Um, but right now I, I truly see myself as a, in this moment, as a vessel, um, truly just a vessel to, to create and, and inspire other people to do it. You know, that's where I'm at right now with it. Um, and, and one thing I typically do, we do, this is Curtis Wallace. The album that we'll be talking about is Black Opera, Libretto, The King's Legend. So we'll be talking about, uh, we'll be digging deep into that, um, digging a little bit deeper into, you know, your ideas. With, look at you. See, see this, 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 this is why you're here, see? Look, look at this fantasticness. This is why this had to happen. You got things moving and rotating and stuff. Perfect. So... You talked about, um, and I want to go through your history, but you almost talked about it as though it was like an existential crisis. Not crisis, but an existential situation where you got to a certain point in your life and you felt like your life had deeper purpose. And and I think that that's a, a crucial moment for a lot of men. Yeah, fact. a lot of black men. Right. Uh, we're, you know, we're raised to work. I mean, in many cases, we're taught that work is, you know, I mean, I had a, a, a father oh, that wow. worked 32 years in GM and then retired due to his health. You know, I had a mom who worked from the time she was a child all the way until, you know, um, you know, she was essentially in her 60s. And I think that from a generational standpoint, I just don't think that that's what we want to do anymore. Like we don't, I don't think that's who we are as human beings and we try to find meaning of our work. And and that's the kind of sense that I got from what you just said. Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Also, you know, I'm a, this, this Liberto of Kings, it, it, it makes me 
it makes me think about my my ancestors you know mm. like of, of all the work they've done you know the work mm. like mm-hmm. you're talking about that work that work every day nine to five that nine to nine you know nine to ten work they put in for us to not have to do that right the same thing we've been doing for our kids you know to give them a better life you know something different it's like why should we start the whole generational you know thing over well, I feel like our ancestors have really created this space and even more so now in the last year where we can, where we can do more than just work. You know, right. like I want to work hard, but I want to work hard at something of creating uh, this, you know, at, at this legacy, not just GM, you know, and nothing, nothing against your pops, you know, but like at the end of the day, GM didn't, didn't see him as nothing but another number, give him a plaque, give him a, certificate great job for thanks for your service but we can we can easily refill you with the space with somebody with even the same name if they worked hard enough to do it absolutely 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 i completely agree so let's let's kind of back it up back it up back it up back it up all the way where were you born i was born in flint michigan genesee valley man so yeah yeah what is what is what is being from you said genesee valley or Genesee, or not Genesee Valley. What's, what's the name? Hurley, Hurley Hospital. Hurley Hospital. I don't know why I said that. Hurley Hospital. Hurley Hospital. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what does being from Flint mean to you? Man, I, I feel like uh, here it means I got to work harder. Um, here, uh, here meaning like in this geographical location, when people find that out, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know. But to me, I guess I we let's, let's talk about me. I can't really care about everybody else, but absolutely. Uh, yeah, um, it means you know I gotta try harder. It, for me, it's like uh my my zero my point my zero start is is just a little bit. It looks a little bit crazier than others. Um, you know, I I I recently went back to Flint, man. The house that I grew up in is gone, bro. It's gone. Like I went there. I went there. Uh, maybe 10 years ago when I started my yoga practice and it would look like it, it was abandoned. It was, it had been burned. Um, I went inside. It was only one thing that was not burnt, man. It was this glass door. You remember those glass doors, you know, with all the panes in them. Um, it was the only thing. It was a solid oak. I took that door, man. I was leaving out. I was, and I'm only telling you this quick story because it, it, it's like really my beginning starting point for Flint. Like I grew up there till I was 10 years old. And then, uh, you know, I got, you know, because of the crack endemic pandemic, it, it hit my home, it hit my family. I was one of those, you know, products of crack hitting those streets. And, um, you know, for me, Flint is like a bittersweet, like I love it, but that's where my whole family was destroyed, bro. Um, but I feel like knowing that, knowing what I know about America, my family could have been anywhere you know, anywhere mm-hmm. on the planet where black people are. And it could have been affected. It's just like, it was 50-50, um, you know, in Flint because they know how, you know, black people, they, they know the psychology of us all. But anyways, backing up, um, mm. I, I grabbed this door. As I'm leaving, police pull up, right? Police pull up, like, hey, what you doing? You know, I'm with my cousin. My cousin's still from Flint. Um, and he's like, oh shit, you know, he's holding this door. He's, you know, trying not to 
he's trying not to let him see his face or whatever. Uh, so I, I'm like, man, you know, uh, in this particular moment, again, I said I just started my yoga uh, practice, my journey in yoga. And so it took me one day to Flint. I don't even know why. It just took me. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, I grabbed this door. Again, the couch came out. I was like, hey, yo, I got this. My energy's right. You know, I told my, look, my cousin, you know, from Flint, I'm like, my energy's right. I got this. He's like, man, I don't know about your energy. So I was like, I got this. So I, I put the door down and go talk to the cop. I tell him my, my journey, man. It was it was, it was was the first time in my life, man, where it was like, I was really honest, truth, truthful. Like, in my, and, and I'm talking about like, Every word I knew was like, I'm just about to be vulnerable. And yeah. so I told him, I told him, I told him, you know, about my journey. I told him about, you know, like life or how it took me to Ann Arbor, Ipsy, uh, you know, I couldn't make sense of things. And dude, this dude was like, hey, put that door. He was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn around, give me your license. I'm going to go to my car and run your place. I don't want to see that door. Right. He ain't tell me what to do with it. He just said, I don't want to see that door no more. Mm-hmm. So I put the, I put the door in my car. You know, I moved everything, put the door in my car. Cuz gets in the car like, I don't want to, you know. <laughs> He's right. like, you know, he gave me my license back or whatever. He tell me whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, great job on just, like, trying to change things. Again, this is a black cop in Flint who, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, had ever encountered something like this. Maybe he had, or maybe it was just refreshing for him to just bump into a brother like that. Mind you, I am uh, I took off work and I was in a suit. So I took off, I took off, you know, you know, uh, my, my jacket and all that. So I have a tie on and everything. So I think just visually, he already knew something was different. But mm-hmm. I say all that to say that that was my beginning, man. I brought that door home and it was like, I, I felt like I could start over. And that was, that was, and I say it was 10 years ago, but it was 2012. So whenever that was. <laughs> yeah, almost 10 years at least. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, at the time it was, before, I should say. Yeah. it was at that moment, man, I left and, uh, Around that time, Libretto King came out. And so, man, mm-hmm. I started listening to it. I will tell you, what's crazy is, man, that you notice is that that I you notice that it was a moment of like I needed, I needed this, it was a distressful moment for me. And it mm-hmm. was, man. I did not know, you know, what was next. I, I couldn't do uh nine to five, man. I couldn't do it. I couldn't just do that work. Mm. You know, like because I seen it in my lineage. I seen it. You seen what it is. Yeah. And it's just it's, everything's broken. Everything's broken, man. I, I had a similar experience when um you know I worked in K twelve for a long time. Um and when this opportunity came about, I definitely was in the midst of some major transitions in my life and the life of my family, my you know, my uh, my father had passed away and my mother um, had began to get ill. Um, and so at the time where I had this opportunity to interview for the job I'm currently in, which was a, a, diff- a much different situation than being in K-12. Well, not much different, but my, my day-to-day would be a lot different. I never forget on my way out to the interview I had such a degree of clarity yeah I had extreme extreme clarity that this is where I was supposed to be that at this time even the the ride out you know if you know if, if you come from where I come from riding down you know prospect towards Ipsy is 
it's yeah. a it's a very mind clearing kind of thing blue skies and then when i got in the interview i felt as though i mean i'm a, i feel like i'm an honest guy but i felt like i had never been as honest and as clear yeah. as i was um and so here i am you know yeah, man. so i I'm completely so understand that so you, you you talk a lot about um you know you talk about a lot about yoga you know you you went through what you went through you had this moment of clarity and um you started to talk about this journey involving yoga can you talk to me about how yoga has changed your life and why um you know why it's something that you're such a strong advocate for man first of all i had to i had to find a six two black man doing it before before i told anybody i was doing it <laughs> that's number one um um, and I and I wish I didn't have to go through all that to to express the me trying to change um, my my frequency. Um, what I learned, what, why I advocate for, for yoga, and what I've learned from it, and why I really uh, push and talk about it a lot, how it's changed me. Um, it's just allowed me to get like some focus, man. Some real pay some real attention to solid things that you know, help me day to day that changed my frequency. Uh, so I meet, greet, see people that truly feed my soul and help with the manifestation of these goals and things that I aspire to achieve, if that makes sense. Um, you know, for me, I use yoga truly as this way to, you know, center myself, take all the distractions of life away because when I, I found that when I do that, again, like I can't, I can't see, I don't know how it works for everybody else, but I try to, to uh, teach my students, um, you know, how it works for me. But in my yoga practice, it teaches me resilience, um, perseverance, teaches me how to love myself. It reminds me to connect to my breath. And it does that all in one hour. So that when I go out to the world, um, I feel like, you know, I'm not really surprised by much. Mm. That makes sense. Like, I know stuff is going to happen, but I'm not surprised by it. And I think a lot of people are, they get surprised when stuff is, you know, happening. You know what I'm saying? I want stuff to happen. It reminds me I'm alive, but I feel like the yoga itself gives me at least this fighting chance to have a frequency to attract the things that are going to be coming into my life, good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's this negative thing, I know that I've attracted it to, at least for me, I know I feel like I've attracted it so I can see this other side of it, right? This positive side. I'm one of those silver lining guys. I'm out from Flint, man. There's no way I can, I can, you know, not still be in Flint if I wasn't an optimist. Right. I feel like that. I feel like that for real. You know, you know my boy K Hill, and like he gonna get he getting a shout out right now um, on this thing. K Hill, you know, Kelly Hill. Yeah, that's my that's my best friend. Have we talked about Kelly? Me and you? No, nah, because no, nah, because like I see y'all kicking it, kicking it, kicking it. But that I there was one boy, there's one boy that I grew up with. I can't tell you any other man or boy's name from Flint, Michigan, that I hung out with, other than my cousins. Then K Hill. I live Shout two doors out to K Hill. K Hill. K Hill, two, live two doors down from me, man. Wow. Two doors down from me. Yeah, Small man. world, baby. Yeah, man. 
Like every, when I see y'all kicking it, I'm like, man, it's crazy, bro. It is the craziest thing. So, so K Hill, K- let me tell you this real quick. So K Hill was, um, K Hill was in a youth group with me and Flint called the Gamma Delta Kudos. Okay. Which was like a baby frat in a way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah. I contend. I mean, shout out to to John Rhymes, um, in Flint, um, lifelong educator, role model. Um, you know, ran the Broom Center, I think, up there for a long time. And I swear to God, I mean, for me, you know, I had, you know, I had decent uh, guidance growing up with my mom and dad. I mean, they were there, you know what I'm saying? But I promise you, Kudos was taking us to college campuses. Yeah. Kudos had us, you know, um, involved in leadership practices and church visitations and this, that, and the third. Shout out to K Hill and the rest of the Kudos that I grew up with. It's it's a seminal part of who I became. So to hear you say K Hill name, it just warmed my heart, man. Shout out to K Hill. Man, shout out to K Hill. And honestly, man, I don't know if I would have found that place. Okay. I don't know if it would have found me because it didn't. Craig didn't hit his household like that. His dad, his dad didn't, his dad knew. His dad was, you know, like, I ain't gonna even put nothing too much out there, but his dad knew the game, you feel me? And uh, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he was, he was, uh, as far as I know, uh, you know, he, I don't know if he was a capitalist to the game, but I definitely know he was not a product of the game, if that makes sense. Um, I get it. And and so you know I don't know if it would have found me like that. I mm-hmm. I would like to think that the spirits would have led me there, but it, I don't. I think the spirits knew I had to dip to find this space to get to this space. If that Absolutely. if that makes sense. Absolutely, uh, man. So, Hill. So yeah. So yeah. So um, so for me, uh, I think you were you were talking about you know refinement, but like um, for me, it's a starting point, and yoga has helped me. Uh, you know, vibrate and and really just truly like uh, understand and just know that that's where I came from. But I have some some work to do, and yoga just reminds me to just tap into um, my center and my frequency, so I can just stay focused, man. And I try to just teach people how to stay, how to just find you know ways to stay focused. But I will tell you this, man. Yoga is the same thing as arting. It's the same thing as DJ. It's just Kung Fu, man. It's just another way. It's just another way, man, to just, you know, find that space. It allows you, does it, it allows for individual expression as well. Fact, fact, mm-hmm. fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and even, in, even in yoga, like how you bend, how you breathe, how you connect, how you move, it's all different. It's for everybody. It's for anybody that can breathe air. If you can breathe air, you can connect to self. If you can connect to self, I mean, you you know this. You you breathe conscious air, then you conscious breath because we do it anyway, right? You breathe that conscious air in there, it stirs creativity to the fullest because you now know that you've given, you purposely said, yeah, I'm choosing to live, right? I'm choosing it. And when you choose it, and that oxygen hits, and the neurons in the neurosynaptic gap, they, you get those endorphins that you get from, you know, like, okay. like for real, like, you, I finished practice of yoga, I am feeling like I just, like, drank a pint of something. I feel like I done smoked something or something. Like, you get this high, man, because you're consciously in the breath, in the, 
you know, you consciously pulling in oxygen, you, which means you're constantly for an hour telling yourself, I want to live. Like, I want to live. Mm. I want to live I, to this breath. And if you don't believe that the body will do what it will do to help you survive, I, I dare you to hold your breath and don't let it go. You know, your body will make you release that to tell you like you got some living to do. And that's really why I practice yoga to just remind myself, man, there's some living to do. Period. Wow. So, so I hear uh, in what you're saying, um, one of the things that you mentioned is centering yourself, yeah. uh, which takes me back to, and, and obviously yoga assists with this, but um, the concept of mindfulness. Yes. And my belief is that <clears throat> mindfulness is a technique and a, a concept and a discipline that as men, we don't utilize like we should. Sure. I think that I think that sometimes we confuse um, persistence with masculinity. Um, we're supposed to work our hands to the ground, and I mean, our hands to the bone, and we're supposed to go the tougher way and the more difficult route. Um, and to acknowledge the need for something like using breathing techniques and stuff like that can illustrate a certain level of weakness, which is mm -hmm. poisonous to us. Yeah. Can you talk about like through your journey and attempting to employ these techniques, like how has it impacted, has it, has it had any impact on men um, specifically and 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 how would you suggest men get more involved in using mindfulness techniques? Um, I, I'll tell you first. First off, um, it's a lot of I, I lost a lot of um, men as friends when they found out um, I started my yoga practice, mindfulness practice. Yeah, because men don't do yoga, right? No, nah, like. Nah. You know, and so yeah, I'm so curious about that. Nah, you know, um, black, definitely black men don't do yoga. I mean, they do, but we don't. We don't think they do. Um, in fact, I went to a local space here. Um, I'm not gonna give them any any um, credit because I don't want to talk about that and, and keep carry that negative space. But I went there and I tried to do like a men's class. Um, and it was all black men, you know, but what, what the thing that got them there was, a, you know, a woman, right? Uh, I was doing practicing yoga with this woman, um, you know, and everybody wanted to, I think everybody wanted to be in her space, right? Um, I, w I was doing yoga in her space. I didn't understand why everybody wanted to be in her space. But for some reason, I told her about, you know, having a lot of men there. And she's like, you know, let's get them. So she put it out, put out I put out the call, nobody, she put out the call, you know, got like, you know, 10 bite men. But then when I started teaching the class, man, it was, uh, you know, so much um, resistance. Is that the word? Uh, to just breathe. It was, you know, a lot of laughter, which is what I get in first time classes. But which symbolizes, it was you know, that's obviously discomfort. You already know that. Absolutely, absolutely. And right. I worked through it. I worked through it, but you know, I got on, you know, I got on a, uh, uh, you know, workout outfit talking about yoga, right? And and so you, I got these men who 
just were very uncomfortable with being in silence in their minds. Truly. The silence, you know, um, I say silence because I don't mind the noise of, you know, physical noise, but when you got a room full of men who are uncomfortable with silence because they know we are going to start, we start breathing and we start thinking and start getting into the mind. What I've learned is the, the, and I don't know if this is the right word, but I've learned that like I can do a room full of, uh, I can be in a room full of you know, white women and they in it. I get a room full of men. It's like, we start thinking, we start getting so much in the head. We got so much trauma, bro. Um, but I, it's my constant goal is to get a room full of black men, man. If you can help me figure out that, man, that would be dope. Um, but I, I found that even for me, um, again, you know, I lost a lot of friends who was just like, it, it's, 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 it's not masculine enough. It's not mm. masculine enough. Um, and I've just learned though, man, from the yoga, and I and I forget the whole question, but I've learned from the yoga, man. It's like I just don't. It got me on such a frequency, man. Where I just don't care, bro. I just don't even care no more. Um, you know, the same people that hate that I do yoga are the same people that are secretly watching me and secretly, you know, when I see them mm-hmm. giving me the shout out because they happy to see that I'm doing my thing. You, know, I'm you always absolutely. To, I'm always you trying to encourage them. They can do it too. Right. You absolutely answered the question. It was just what your experience had been involving engaging black men in, yeah. in mindfulness. Um, yeah, and the reason that is so near and dear to me is because I learned about mindfulness when I worked in a school that was trying to shift its practices to being more trauma sensitive. Yeah. So developing my understanding of your breath and staying center, I always look at it. My, my whole metaphor about it is always, you know, driving down the road and you're in a lane. And as you you do your breathing, you know, staying in that lane is where my mind is, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to, and I notice myself kind of drifting into that other lane and I'm like, you got to center yourself. You got to yeah. pull yourself back in. Yeah. And that is, that is, that is very difficult. That is a skill that has to be developed. Yeah. And truth be told, it just, it just speaks to how hard it is for us, Kurt, to, just really centralize our focus on one thing. And I Mm -hmm. think about, I don't want to get too deep, but I think about when my father was alive, how my father used to um, focus so much on his, on his yard. Yeah. And what I found was it gave him the opportunity to really center his mind around something very specific. Yeah. um, Yeah. And get into a state of, internal harmony in a way yes yes like you couldn't tell Um, nothing outside because i think i think i think even more now than ever the amount of distractions and the access that we have just using what we're talking on right now yes we have we have the capacity to always be inundated with information and being able to get back to a mindful state is very very important absolutely so you're doing you 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 make this shift you're doing yoga. We encounter each other or whatever at some point, but you end up getting involved in the Be Creative studio. So yeah. now you're not only a yoga instructor and an artist and a father and a husband, but now you're running a business. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So let's talk yeah. about Be Creative and how it started. Um, 
you know, I've been studying art since I was 10 years old. In fact, Cahill can tell you, I was that, I was that kid who could draw. <laughs> nah. And, uh, you know, uh, a few years ago, uh, some friends of mine, you know, every year now, but a few years ago, some really good friends of mine had passed. My mom has passed, my father's passed, my sister's passed, people passing. You know, it happens. I'm, I'm reminded of time constantly. I'm reminded of time. And that we are not in control of anything. And the only thing that has true value, everything else is great, sweet topics. But the true, the thing that has the truest value is time. Because we don't know, man. We have no idea when it will skin. We have no, we have no idea how much we have. And I'm saying that to say that there's so much and so many people passing. I, I kind of came to the realization, right, that I had been studying something for at this point 33 or 31 years because I'm mm. now at the studio for two years or for three years mm-hmm. and I've been studying something for 31 years and I have doing what you were talking about I have this lane right of art right this focus mm-hmm. this place I could focus but I was finding every reason to turn off this thing meanwhile notice how my hands keep going from side to side what happens mm-hmm. to get to the other side of this road is I always got to pass through art. I've noticed that I always had to pass through art to get through this other, right? So I work mm. for a company. I work for a company. Um, I don't like it. I quit. I go back to art. I'm like, oh, it's not making me enough, you know, no financial security because I don't because I don't truly grow. Mm. I have to grow in the pain of it, and I don't. So I'm like, okay, get enough, get a job, you know, because I got skills. I know tech. I, and then and I'm like, oh, but you, the people here are toxic. Let's go. <laughs> right. And so I've done that shift, but I've been in education the whole time with Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti Public Schools. Right. I've just been like leaving, getting a little school, come back with it. I apply for a different job, different spot. Right. And I, and I but so eventually, uh, three years ago, uh, a friend of mine, a really good friend, close friend of mine, we barely talked, but we talked enough. In fact, he has a son and a daughter that are a few years older than mine. And so his son, every time he would grow out of his clothes, he would give them to me. Mm. Dope clothes, always Nike gear, all that stuff. I was like, man, let's go. Clothes to clothes. We saving the earth. We saving, right? And my son will love it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a few years back, uh, I found out he had prostate cancer. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, man. And it was, and he was talking to me and talking to me. And, you know, he's telling me he's feeling good. I was like, where, you know, all right. Um, I'm I'm taking my family. My family and I were going up north. You know, we're going to to, to Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, two weeks later, we're driving up to Lake Michigan. His wife calls me. Now I know his wife since high school. They high school sweethearts, but she ain't never called me. But she but she, but I have her number because we friends too, right? I have her number. So I looked at the phone as we pulling as me and my family pulling up, right? We I'm, and I'm not bullshitting you. We pulling up into the uh, driveway. I get the call, look at my wife, like, I show her the phone, like, Deshaun? She's like, what? So I answer it, and she tells me the news, you know, that he passed. Man, and I looked at the ocean differently that day. Yeah. I get it. Um, I, looked I, get at, it. I looked at the lake. It was Lake yeah. Michigan. I, I looked at it differently, and uh, I just came home, man. I, I came home. I hit mm-hmm. this libretto with Kings again, because I kind of listened to it once a week. I hit it mm-hmm. again. Man, and I... Psh- yeah, and, and and okay. So keep in mind, I had also eight years been a uh, art instructor for this place 
uh, called the Painting Pour. Sure. And and they they get groups of people together. We drink. Yeah. We create. Well, I am, you know, I didn't feel comfortable getting people drunk and sending them home. You know, yeah, you got art, but you drink it, right? Right. And I, and again, I had been practicing yoga. So I, I wanted to find a way to infuse the mindfulness practice into art to just like, like to, because I wanted to prove, I still do. I want to prove that anybody can do this. And I, and I stand like nobody, nobody's left my class unable to paint a picture, bro. Right. I figured out how to not teach you how to paint, but I, I feel like I've taught, I've learned how to teach humans how to let go of the things you think you don't know how to do, right? And so I, once I felt like I knew a real a way to explain that, I was like, I got to create this space for people. I was like, uh, the fortunate for me, um, painting pour was about to go under. They had like five spaces. In fact, they told me. They told me, Rod, they said, people in Ipsy want art? I said, yeah, they want art. They said, you got to make, um, you got to make 50 to $75,000 in one year, in one summer, um, from art classes to show us that Ipsy wants, um, that's how we get um, an art studio in a city, if we make it. So I, I, hit the, I hit the ground, man, I was at Tower Inn, Red Rock, Tap Room, anywhere I could be. I was at parties, I was telling people like, yo, I made them enough money, they get created a studio. Fast forward, all the studios from um, Royal Oak, Dearborn, Ann Arbor, all closed except the one in Ipsy. The one I wow. helped get started, right? In the wow. neighborhood. You know, because I told them, like, we don't, we, we like art. We just don't want to drive to Ann Arbor to get it. You know what I'm saying? Say what that. Wow. Right? And so yes. it, it stayed open, stayed open. Um, I got the highest. Uh, requests for artists from Google, Domino's, from everywhere, dude. Like, I'm still to this day are my clients. Um, and and so they were like, we bought the clothes. I was like, you know what, my friend died, I'm opening my homes. You know, if y'all don't like it, we can be, we can compete. Otherwise, you know, I already got my clients. They were like, no, nah, bring it in. You know, bring it in. We'll help, we'll actually let you keep the space until you can cultivate and create, um, you know, a real, real good, get you a space. Man, I was three days, three days before they closed stuff down, man. I was about to sign um, some papers to give myself a space. Amen. And it'll still uh, happen. And I'm going to tell you why. If yeah. I can, let me pause you right there. Yeah. Why do you think what made what you were doing so successful? Why? Uh, and, and, and here's the real intricate, the real, the real question. Why is it that people who experience what you do, they tend to call you back? Um, I know why. I know why. It's not. I think I know why, and I keep I, I keep doing it because I know that's why. To few few reasons. Number one, right off the right off the bat, my blackness. I it is not the norm for them to have an artist, not just you know be an artist, but an instructor. Um, be black man and knowledgeable, mm. right? So I'm not just up there entertaining. I'm actually teaching you art stuff, and I think right away that gets people because you're you, we're used to seeing the Bob Rosses of the world. We're used to hearing the the white names of artists, but so I think that's right off the bat. Then secondly, what I do is I am number one, one hundred percent, always myself. 
meaning whatever comes to my mind appropriately, right? I'm professional. Don't get it twisted. But whatever comes to my mind, I say it, right? Like, you know, and I think that people, it's refreshing to people. I think it's Mm -hmm. refreshing. And then I also have this ability to, again, get people to do something that they even started. They were like, I hear them before class, like, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. I'm hearing them. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, challenge, challenge, right? I got you. And I'll focus on that that person that, that says they can. And it's usually the person with the lowest frequency. They, the people with the lowest frequency will tell you, they will tell the whole class that they don't even know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. You think you can do this? They'll try to convince people that they can do so I go so heavy on that person that I think a lot of the class will see that I changed the energy of that person. I changed the frequency of that person by just helping them be present, you know, to not even, I call it beatboxing. I call it beatboxing. I say, you're not allowed to beatbox in my class. There's only one type of, there's only two people that can beatbox in my class. The human beatbox and Dougie Fresh. Those are the only two people. And I'm going to play those if you request them. Right, but other than that, there's no. Ah, I can't. Yeah, Curtis. What? Shit, girl, can you do this? I don't know if mine right. Right. I call it beatboxing. So I say, look, first of all, none of that, and that's how I present it to him. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like I found a different way to present art and creation. Um, on a canvas to people. And I think it's just, I, I think people respond. And I know that the paint pour and the artists there hate it. They hate it. I was making 150 to you know 300 bucks uh, tips mm-hmm. every time I had a class. They didn't understand why. But it was just like, I'm doing the same thing y'all doing, same pictures. This is you. They, have, they don't have the ability to, you know, really, I think, um, be themselves and teach, right? I've learned how to like intertwine and like, it's myself, either you gonna do it, you're not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's why people come back, man. I, I I don't know, man, but I've had I've had a second grade class come to me twice during the pandemic in right. Louisville, Kentucky, bro. Right. So you're doing this virtually. Yeah, so I took it you virtually, know. yep. And yeah. and doing it, you know, you you did it, you did it with the organization who, that I work with too, you yeah. know, last year. And you kind of alluded to this by talking about, you know, playing human beatbox with Dougie Fresh, but there's a deep connection in everything that you do with music. Absolutely. Um, And why music, music, from what I know about you, music affects your group sessions, music engages with your yoga, music engages with what you do individually in art. Yep. So what role does what role does music play? Uh it's my harmony, man. It's it's um music is my director. You know, music is my it, music is like, you know, if I got a quiet room and somebody's like humming a, you know, Justin Bieber song or whatever, I automatically get a way in to connect mm-hmm. to people. Music is a heavy connection. Music to me is like you know, if I can get that one person who's like, mm, like, uh, I got that yummy, yummy, you know, like, okay, yeah, get that yeah, person. Yeah. I, I'm like, get that person's energy. 
then it then that from the music it'll get other people man music is so it's so dope to me man because it really does create and can generate a feeling you know that fully yeah. man um um and and to me it's just like um i hear it i hear it all the time man i hear it when my fan blowing um i i even when like i have yoga classes and and it's not even it's not even just music, right? I guess I'm going to change that. It's not even just music. It's sound, man. Because even in some of my yoga practices, we outside, I don't have music on. But I remind them that we can hear 24,000 sounds at once if we, if we focus in. Mm-hmm. And we start hearing the birds chirp. You know, the truck like, you know, like the breeze. Right, there's just music, man. It's just sound that's everywhere, man. I, it, it's hard. It's hard for me. And I talked to you about this when we were at Buff's uh, party, man. I, it had me emotional. It still got me emotional, man. I realized I have not ever created any piece of art without sound. And I'm talking about mm-hmm. majority music, but without some sound kind of sound that that helps me flow through it. Right. If that if that makes sense, man. Just so. This 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 album right here, in particular, is one of those ones that took me um, emotionally through so many paintings, emotionally through so many like moments in life. It's still to this day this album right here. Um, I listen to it like I said once a week because there's so many hidden messages in here on how to just be present. Mm-hmm to just be present because we can't control like what the world is doing. And I only say all that to say like, I, you know, I really don't feel like I would be able to even show you visual colors and things that I'm seeing without music orchestrating it all, man. It's crazy. Um, I remember, I remember an interview with Kanye West talking about like, he sees like waves and stuff. And it was crazy to me because I really didn't understand this dude mm. when he said that. But it wasn't until this past, you know, a few years, man, that I'm really understanding. Um, I'm really, really understanding it, especially since I met a you. Mm. Somebody who has really learned how to interpret music into life. And so you kind of really helped me recognize what I was doing. You know, I wasn't just, I'm not, I haven't been just listening to this music to help me with, I've been using it as like my diary or my uh, guide to survival, bro. Hip hop is, and music has been my guide to survival. Like, I'm, you know, anybody, you feeling bad? Music. You feeling sad? You know, music. You want to unsad? Music, right? You want to joy? Right. Music. It's what do you pick? Is it gospel? Is it Sunday? Is it R&B? Like, whatever, you know? And, it's, and, and what I love about it, it's something for every emotion, you know? And, and sometimes, right, I'll listen to some classical music. Sometimes it's jazz. But either way, man, there's music popping off every single Absolutely. Time. Absolutely. So, so um, I remember uh, we were, it, it was after the podcast had, I mean, after the pandemic had began, we were coming to the end of production. You know, we, one thing I talk about in the documentary for Formula 734 is the fact that, you know, everything kind of paused. You know, when the pandemic happened, we pretty much had the album, but we still had some things to do, but we kind of paused everything. 
And then when, you know, once you got past that initial shock of, okay, everybody is at the crib right now, everything kind of stops. I'm locking down and, you know, this, that, and the third. Then we got back to the point where it's like, yeah, okay, so, you know, let's, let's go ahead and let's get this done or whatever. And when we talked about cover art, the first um, idea that we had was we have to engage with a local artist. Right. Um, it has to be an original piece. And you were the first person that I thought of and made the phone call to you and you got on it. Um, and as a part of it, I sent you the album to listen to. Yeah. And can you talk us through because because that 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 painting now has become it's kind of taking on a life of its own. Yeah. And that was my intent in saying it has to be original art because I like for everything that I do to be some level on some level to be original art unless I got to do it myself where I'm (laughs) probably taking a crappy picture, you know, and and keeping it like that, you know, Um, but uh, walk us through what that was like. Walk us through that process and, and how it came to be. Oh man, it, or, or I guess how it came out, so to speak. Well, you know, right away you asked me to do it in my head. I'm like, I'm about to do this piece that's about to be, you know, the struggle is real. You know, we we seen right. George. We, you know, we was we was it was just so much, man. It was so much. Um, but then yeah, man, you gave me that album, bro. I listened to that album a couple of times, man. I, I found myself, you know, crying the whole time. And I also found myself like, dang, that album went so fast for me. And it started making me think about my son, man. Then it started making me think about my students. And it started just making me think about, you know, the kind of art that I create. And, you know, Ma, you know, I talked to Ma, you know, a while back, how, you know, I said, man, you know, I can't make art that's that's got pain on it, man. It's like I go through enough of it. I don't like I don't like people seeing it. I don't like perpetuating pain, man. You know, I realized that I'm, I'm a portrait artist. I've been drawing and painting people's emotions, you know, but mostly, you know, happy emotions. No, no clients want, you know, their portraits of someone, you know, being mad or whatever. But I realized most of my art has been um built and created to perpetuate uh visuals of of happiness, of positivity. Mm-hmm. And so my first vision of you know cars exploding and stuff you know uh it became like okay i heard all these young men's voices and what i hear in these voices is is like they're different ways of survival right the, how are they surviving but i also hear in them that music is this this space this epicenter where you know they they come here and this is where they feel safe mm-hmm and and even um, a, a young man in the documentary looking afterwards, man, this dude, man, he, I, I feel like a lot of it, the energy was, it came from him, but, and I don't know his name, but, so then what happened was I, I drew it out. I had cars exploding in the back. I drew this kid who was just kind of looking there. And then I, I met this kid named Howard um, Williams. And I think you know him, actually. Shout out to Howard. Of yeah, shout out to man. Howard, man. Really, Absolutely. Really good young, smart dude. And uh, cause I'm doing work with uh, Educate Youth still. And mm-hmm. I was like, yo, yo man, you know, I want to be able to give you some money too. Cause I see what you're doing out here. He's interning and stuff. And I'm like, man, I, I want to be able to put some money in your pocket, you know, perpetuate what I'm trying to talk about, which is, you know, put money in black man hands and, 
you know, uh, trying to trying to build some equity. I can't ask people to do it if I can't do it. I was like, okay, let me let me try to kill two birds with one stone. So I hit him up. He was like, cool. We went and took pictures all over Ipsy, and I finally we went up to the top of Ipsy uh, Cross Street. I saw the tower. I saw Eastern man. I saw him. And 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 what's crazy is Rod. I said, come. I said, I want to have you uh, come like you normally would, tra- like 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 you going for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. He said, "Okay, that's how that's how I normally do." And you know, like, and you know, like coming coming into, uh, you know, this 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 this, uh, or I'm sorry, meeting this guy to me who is um, just so willing to be present with me. Yeah. I saw him, and I saw how his day to day sort of life was going. And when I saw him standing at the top of that hill, man. And I started thinking about the stories that I had already, you know, heard in this in this music you gave me. I just came up with it, dude. And it was like, I was just like, I saw it. And and so what happened is, and so you can look at this picture here, right? And you'll see him with the backpack. You'll see he's got, and you might not have noticed this, but you see he's got his ID visual, visible on his backpack so you can see it. Mm-hmm. You'll notice that it's turned vertical. Not that he's underage, but I wanted to I wanted to give the viewer to know like these a lot of these guys are not adults yet. Like look at his ID. Like it's vertical, right? Look at that. It's just a little small thing in there, but if you look at his ID, it's vertical yeah. inside there. It's not turned sideways. You see his two bottles of water so he can stay hydrated, right? He's trying to do his thing. Yes. To survive. What I also created was this long, windy, windy, windy road that he has to get to this institution, right? Yes. And, and from this institution that he has to go to down this winding road, I want you to notice his face. That not only can he do that, he, that he has to or feel obligated to do this thing, but we got, we do this thing with a smile on our face because they already want us to be looking mad and mean mugging, right? Not only are we going to do it and get to this and go through this windy road where notice how you get down to the windy road, it's get, it gets a little dark and gloomy, but then you, you make your way back up to the top, you know, everything, the lights there. But I wanted to really have a lot of green, a lot of freshness. I wanted to yes. really like express like this green, all this to represent not just green, but just like this green on earth and this, this money green. Um, and I put all this in really so anybody can see, but I get to talk to you about it, but to get to this institution of green to get to the green um he has to go down the, through this winding road and i don't know if you know what um shoestrings on a, on a, um on the line mean but you from flint i have a pretty good idea that you do but if you don't and you're tuning in um let it, people it, know huh i'll let the people know it, it it represents um um the passing of the life of someone um in the hood um it also represents um, resurrection and, and, and growth. Uh, what's funny is, man, I, w- I went to Flint um, one year. I visited Cahill, who was doing our thing, um, visiting some friends, and it was calling me college boy. And I remember leaving, man. I was feeling so bad that these dudes was calling me college boy. I was so mad, man. I almost wanted to, like... And these K- See, these are some Cahill friends who were not where me and Cahill was, but me and Cahill was just visiting for like a holiday from college. Uh-huh. So it was one of those moments where he was like, man, let me get you out of here. Cause like, they, they, this is what they do to me, whatever. Right. 
And and I remember, I'm saying that to say, like, I remember uh, that feeling like, like I couldn't, like this was the wrong thing for me to be doing in that space. But I kept, I kept on doing it. And when I was painting this, it reminded me of that, dude. It reminded me like, you know, like you doing it alone, right? When I went there, anyways, I took my shoes and I threw them on the line. Like I, and I told Cahill, I was like, I ain't never coming back here, man. I ain't never moving back here, dude. I ain't never feeling like what I'm doing is wrong. I'm never going to do that again. And so for me, it was also, I was kind of re- reborning myself. And also you might not know, like this, this painting kind of resurrected me into another higher focus. Um, mm-hmm. This painting, while I painted it, I listened to Formula 734 the entire time. Every stroke that was put on this canvas had their music present in it. I didn't listen to anything else. Um, I think I listened to the album maybe 20 something times before I finished this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, I just wanted um, to just do my best to represent. And then also, too, this is going to be my son one day, man. And I want, I want my kids to, when they see my pictures and people see my pictures, to, to have this impactful meaning, but not be all this negative space. I don't want to create another 12 years of slaves, my nigga. We done seen, we done seen those stories. We have seen the depictions of us in these negative lights. And so I'm not, I just, as an artist, I refuse to do that stuff, man. I'm not doing that no more. I'm not ever, I'm not ever going to be the the artist you, you want painting uh, some kind of destruction. And I, and it's, that's, to me, that's my, like, my point of what makes me Curtis. Like, so if you like, Kurt, I got 20 grand for you, but I'm going to need you to, uh, to create this. It's like now I get this this opportunity to say here's where I stand. I just don't do that, right? I, um, I, I wanna. I, I just wanna point out that um, things that I picked up on is I definitely um, know where I feel like I know where this picture was taken. Yeah. Um. You know, and, and I did notice how the street goes down into like a winding road. It's almost like an odyssey, like, um, like a, I don't want to say Lord of the Rings, but it's like a, like an adventure is ensuing with dangers untold. And even though, even though, you know, Ipsy pales in comparison from a geographic standpoint to some other areas that young black men have to traverse um, just in terms of danger, the dangers are not necessarily just physical dangers. Fact. You know what I'm saying? Fact. So I noticed that with the winding road. Yeah. Right. And yeah, you can see, you know, the tower, and I think that's like Pray Herald or Saint or the hospital in the back. Yeah, yeah. The two yeah. tallest buildings in, yeah. in the area. And um it just it just it reminded me about how I used to walk. I'm from the south side of Flint, and I used to walk. Um, when when I was a freshman in high school, I caught the bus to go to school, and the bus, in the bus, I, I grew up in the valley, and I had to walk about a, I had to walk about a half 
maybe about a half mile from, you know, from Dort, from essentially like Ooh. center, from like center in Kent, you know, where uh, Wally's East is. Yeah. Deeper into the neighborhood, closer down by, uh, uh, the, the T, I don't know if you know the South Side, but like Gil yeah. Martin and Gil Martin and, uh, and Kent. So, I remember just walking and I didn't have to walk to school up to that point. I always got dropped off this, that, and third. And I would have to walk in like abject darkness. Yeah. You know, some mornings, some mornings. And I never felt that I was in danger. Like somebody was going to rob me or take something from me or anything like that. But I think about from a physical standpoint, you know, the fact that we had, you know, when I worked in Detroit, we had students that was walking, you know, a half mile at 530 in the morning to get on the bus yeah. to come out to Rude where I work. Um, and how there's a level of adrenaline that is heightened just based on where we live. And yeah. that's only one tier of the game. That's only one yeah. side of it. The right. other anxieties, the other um, factors that involve our success and failure are within those trees that you put yeah. on this painting. Right. And so right. it really, it really, it really encapsulated everything that this project was about. I noticed the mask, Yeah, you know, um, this happened to miss it in the midst of a pandemic. So what, what yeah, Howard's least, face what Howard's face says to me is I'm I'm going this way and I have what I need yeah. via the water. I have I have my nourishment as I go into this and his face illustrates a certain level of determination. That's right. That's right. And I wanted that to and I also wanted to let people know we wake up having to go through this Every day. Absolutely. Every day. Every single day. We know this. This ain't new. Absolutely. You and know, we yeah, could've that, we could have spent our time today. We, that that we, sense I, of determination, knowing that you uh-huh. don't know what's down in that windy road. Yeah. Right. Sure. And we we could have spent our time today breaking down Formula 734. For sure. We want everybody who's listening. Check out Formula 734 at formula734.com. Absolutely. Um, to purchase yes. it. Also, there is a corresponding documentary that you can kind of get oh a visual God. of on the website. Um, it is a project. I probably should have explained this a little bit more. It is a project that from Washington County, my brother's keeper, where we actually uh, chose a group of artists across generations and engage them in critical discussions Mm -hmm. um, through um, discussion circles about specific topics and then turn them loose in the studio to make music about it. And uh, it was a very important experience for everybody who was involved. Um, It has played a major part in my research. Um, I believe that it is a model that can be used in a number of different spaces um and the film can be used to illustrate how to engage and interact with um young with with african-american men in a different Uh way 
Um, So it's a value. It's of overall value to the community. And I'm very proud to have been a part of it. Shout out to the approachable minorities, true classic DJ TJ, uh, Sam Watson, uh, Lou Picasso, uh, Rail. Don't forget nobody. uh, Don't forget nobody. Dejan Cooper. Uh, yes. Oh man. Uh my man Conflict from the D. Um Yeah, oh my god. You know, bro. you buff. Um you yourself. I think I think I think that's pretty much everybody. If I forget you, just you know, blame it. Blame me not having no coffee this morning. But <laughs> it, it is ab- it has absolutely been a life-changing experience to be involved in that. But today we're yeah, gonna bro. talk about libretto an album that you turn to to for meaning um to center yourself mm-hmm. as you said as you told us earlier today yeah um so let me just give paint a little a couple of things and then we can kind of go into it so the black opera was a project or a and and then how can i say it it was an initiative um, by Buff One and Majestic Legend, who both were very accomplished hip hop artists um, yes. up to this point, to do something different. Um, and they began by, you know, they 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 began with essentially there was a trilogy of albums that came out uh, that essentially spreaded the warning, so to speak. Um, the first one was called Overture, and mm-hmm. I don't have the date in front of me. It came out a few years before this one. Then you had Intermission, and you had Libretto. And Overture had very traditional sample-based production. Yep. Production by Apollo Brown. Shout out to Apollo Brown. Yes, shout, shout out, out to Apollo KT Brown. Project. Yes. You know, production oh by KT. Gosh. Intermission was a little bit more of the same. It was a little bit more refined, and then Libretto was a little bit more experimental, principally yeah. because. Um, libretto was produced by a gentleman named Astronaut from France. Yeah. I talked to Buffy, he yeah. told me he was from France. Yeah. And it was a little bit more original. Um, and they had really, really refined their sound by that time. Now, yeah. again, this came out in October of 2012. And at this at the time when this project came out, you were making this transition that you've spoken about. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about um, just for the sake of argument, for me, I was this was my first year as a principal. I know it was my yeah, I was wow. Yes, I was a principal at this time. I was a principal in Dearborn Heights. Um, and I needed to be centered, brother, because I needed this album. <laughs> but mm-hmm. although I didn't engage with it, to be honest with you, I didn't engage with a lot of Buff's music until I engaged with Buff. Buff, yeah, um, right, exactly. And you know, he has um, even. I, what I will share is that back in the day when I was in Ann Arbor, um, you know, living and gra- finishing school at Eastern, um, I knew about Buff One, Majestic Legend, Funk Intelligence, uh, yes, Arthur yes. Dodgers, Athletic Mike League, that whole enclave of artists or whatever. And um, after connecting with Buff. When I connected with Buff, I knew his name and he introduced himself um, at a my brother's keeper meeting and him and I started to talk and we said, hey, it'd be cool to do a rap project with young men. Yeah. Um, and lo and behold, it ended up happening. You know, you put things in the universe and it happens. Mm-hmm. But 
what I didn't realize was how deft he was lyrically. Yes. Yes. I didn't know. I didn't I didn't know until I started to do the knowledge and was yeah. like, yeah, he yeah. he he yeah. He's saying he snaps. something. He, he is on a number of he different levels. I think his technique is his technique is um it's amazing, you know, bro. It's 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 layered. There's always extremely great meaning. Yeah. In what but it's he's also saying. so simple, man. But it's also so simple. He told me, he said, because uh, at one point I had started working on the last project I put out, Unfree Black, um, in January. And he said, just talk. Yeah. He said, just talk. You don't, you don't have to, you know, the verbal gymnastics and yeah. lyrical, miracle, blah, blah, blah. He said, you yeah. just talk. He said, now, you know, you throw your references in and your darts here and there and blah, 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 yeah. but you have to really speak from, and it just made it that much easier for me to write. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, shouts out to Buff. Man, shout out and, to Jamal Buffett, man. You know, what Buff can do. So, um. yeah, the King, you know, libretto was a little bit more experimental. Let's yeah. talk about what it was about the project that you really stuck to yeah. You know, what things about the project really stick out to you? Like I said, man, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a really, it, I was in a really mentally um, bad transitioning state. Again, like I was in a, I was in a space mentally, but the yoga was already, the yoga I actually felt like made me see the album, mm-hmm. right? I was able to see, I was in a space mentally the yoga had me moving. I talked to Buff and it had me like, you know, take note. And then when I got it, man, it was like the universe was like, I gave you yoga so you can talk to Buff, so you can take note of this sort of guidebook on how to get out of this space. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the first thing, as soon as I saw it, I saw a black king, and right away it was like I knew it was it. All their albums, man, great, great albums. But again, it was the the artwork got me, right? Buff got me to want to do it. But then when I seen the artwork, I was like, wow, you know, something dark about it, but also something so excellent. Like there's some excellence in it. It made me feel. It, it was like I want to be that. That's me. Like that's me. So let's before you go any further, let's talk about that artwork though. Yeah. So from an interpretive standpoint, you had a logo. Yeah. You know, and and the context of the first two albums, um, you know, I may not have the complete interpretation of, but you see power in that yeah. figure. Yeah. Yeah, I see power in that figure. I see strength in that figure. And I see that crown in that figure. And and it was that was all I really needed to see. It was that crown. And it was like, it was like another, it was a depiction of a black them trying. I don't know, it's how I interpret it is like this black man, this king, that they would try to interpret as this dark entity, right? Negative entity. Mm-hmm. But they sort of got in front of it and they pushed it out. Like, I know who produced it. You know what I mean? So I know 
like who this is representing and they got out and they perpetuated it in in this positive light they showed this king to me in a positive light now what i realize is not everybody will see this and see that but for me during that moment that's what i needed to see if they had a version of this and it was white i don't think it would have affected me the way it was like that was me it was like the universe i can't even really explain it it was like a it was like when i was going like god give me a sign and a, and, a, and a cd goes, and that's what it is that's kind of how it was for me and when i saw it it just made me want to peel it open because i actually have the album i actually have the uh album or the uh, album and the cd because okay. i don't know if you know this about me maybe buff will tell you but um I have like a shrine of like all my. You can go in here. It ain't no stuff with nobody, no, you know, big people, no prints. No, I got bills from all my homies who. Yeah, babe. I already made it. Oh, I thought I pushed the button. Oh, I hit it, hit it, and then didn't push the button. Sorry, my bad. Uh, it's ten. You good? You good? <laughs> I got so- old coffee. Um. You you have a you you have um artifacts yeah. from uh, oh, yeah. artists who are around you. Yeah. And so I got I got the I bought two passport albums, mm-hmm. right? The the record, because I have a record okay. player. I got one to play it and I got one to just display it. All right, and I've done that with all my homies. Uh Quentin Joseph uh from Funk Television, shout out to Quentin. I have every pair of drumsticks he ever that I ever been any show I've been to. Wow. I have every pair of drumsticks. I stay late at a show just to get his drumsticks. I have them dated of where it was, when it happened. Cause I had never seen a black man. Like, first of all, what what else? I, I ain't gonna go too far. But anyways, I got these artifacts, right? For me, seeing this album, having this album what buff means to me like i've never met a black man like him right mm-hmm. like i met a lot of black men and i've met a lot of rappers bro but i never met a black man who made it so simplified where he's just talking and yeah and and and, and 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 like and he's not just talking he's saying something he's saying real things not just talking about cars and talking about this he's like talking about not just the pains of a black man or woman but he's talking about like um, the uplifting of it and you know it's like recognizing that we're able to change a lot of this stuff and I never met a black man and, and I'm talking about all the way back to Buff's Pure album if you go and listen to his Pure album you'll mm-hmm. hear it all and it's, it's what really made me fall in love with Buff so when this album came out and he told me he did. To hear his voice was that thing that kept me constant in it. But to hear my homie, this dude I know, who don't know nothing about my life, is mm-hmm. giving me tools to deal with my life, man. Mm-hmm. It was it is magical. I mean, I go back and listen to this, like I said, once a week, and I'm it, it still affects me the same way. I don't want to get up and move the way I do, but but something about this. It reminds me like I got shit to do. I got so what? To do. So let's talk about 
um, some specific themes that are covered on the project uh, very quickly. Um, what kind of things stick out to you, um, especially early on as being part of this narrative? I know that that in, in one thing that is written on the band count is it, it talks about in this microwave age where social media makes the world smaller, the Black Opera has made a valiant effort to maintain a sense of anonymity while simultaneously being able to spread the warning. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, they never put um, their faces on there. Yeah, right, 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 right. Right. Um, but, but how I do with it, interpret it is the same thing, man. Uh, I try to, it's like the way of the summer, right? Right. Um, you know, trying to create this awareness uh, this cognitive awareness uh, of change and not having, not being, not not doing it for something, right? To like mm-hmm. say that like they're, they're putting this information out for you and I don't know if you know this, but like you know, on that band camp for a minute it was like not, you didn't even have to pay for this album. I don't even know if you still do now but like they are really truly trying to spread this awareness and for me it was like it made me feel like uh, I could do the same thing with my art and and how I help people see this light. Meaning, like uh, you know, I really don't even care. The, the, you can't do stuff for people ex- with expectations to get it in return, right? This way right. of summarize. And like sometimes, right. like I do stuff, man. I don't want to be recognized for it because it should have been done in the fucking first place. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't recognize yeah. me for doing... Like, don't recognize me for picking up shit in the middle of the floor when it should have just been picked up in the first place by anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, don't say, oh, Curtis did it. Bro. I just got sick of... I get sick of seeing it, man. And, you know, for me, it, just to have... To also see these these people in this album, even though I know who a few of them are, they really do it and not care about whether or not you know who they are. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. Re- I really fell in love with this album because of those things, they just really were trying to, you know, um, this mental awareness, just to be aware. Uh, I don't know if I answered the question, but... You did. You did. You did. You did. I think um, when juxtaposed with the image of the rapper as this... I mean, I think I think that there's a caricature of a rapper as a materialistic, individualistic, you know, you can't even right. hardly have groups right. anymore. I mean, I yeah. think it makes more financial sense for record companies personally, right. but you can't even hardly do that. But this individualistic, um, egocentric individual who uh, is kind of separated from the ills of the world because of this perspective that is both in some ways is 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 nihilistic in a way it's kind of like you know i don't care i don't i don't give a damn this that and the third to be able to to have people who kind of separated their egos away from the music is valuable yeah and yeah. i think we all kind of have to do that yeah um, yeah man and be willing to you know i think about how the imagery when it, even in the documentary from formula 734 when it was you know, you had 20, 30 black men that was distributing materials out to the community and everybody had on masks. Yeah. Nobody was doing it for, nobody was doing yeah. it for photo ops. 
Nobody yeah. was doing it for phone yeah. props. Nobody was doing it for, you know, it was just, it had to be done. So yeah. I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting thing. My, yeah. my, my joint on this album is Thorns. Oh my gosh. Um, at one point saying that I can kind of see why people need drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see. And what, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think about how, you know what's what's what we really haven't got a true sense of yet simply because um of the pandemic is you know in michigan you know marijuana is is recreational marijuana is now legal and it turned over being legal i mean yeah it turned over being legal right at the beginning of 2020 um and then two months later we were in a pandemic Uh so um I'm interested to kind of see what a summer, I hate to say a regular summer, but a summer where everybody is out and and weed is legal looks like. Yes. Um, It's just going to be interesting. Um, And I know, you know, there are emotions about who can participate in um, you know, marijuana business and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's necessarily the drugs that people may necessarily, I mean, that they may be just talking about. Wow. I mean, there are, and drugs can be, I'm saying all that to say, like, there is an acceptance that people take drugs in order to deal with their problems. Mm-hmm. And those drugs could be alcohol, it could be marijuana, it could be food, it yeah. could be domestic violence. It could be, you know, it could be any number of things that are negative for us that people think they need to do in order to find equilibrium. Um, And then the chorus of the song says, see, first we are born and then we become scorned. We fall in love with the pain and then consider it norm. They throw dirt on your name and give you a crown of thorns. Should I stop or keep going? I guess I'm torn. And the reason why this is significant to me is because this was the point at which they were considering what it would look like to uh, they were kind of pulling the veil back of who they were in a way Um, they, they, it says that, that instead of letting others tell fictional stories, the black opera has decided to reveal their true story. So were they walking away from that? Were they beginning to walk away from that anonymity because they were torn, yeah, you know, um, yeah. and and you know, I think all the time. I, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, there's a guy who's real popular right now in social media and in YouTube world named Kevin Samuels. Okay, right. Um, and Kevin Samuels has some very controversial viewpoints about male and female relationships. He said some very. Tr- he said some 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 controversial things about black women, about things that black women need to do and stuff like that. And what's interesting to me is now that he has gained a certain degree of popularity, I've been seeing a lot of videos that illustrate fallacies in who he, who he is as a man. Yeah. Um, you know, he's this, he's, he, he's not who he says he was, or he doesn't, he wasn't making the money that he was supposed to. And none of us would know or care about any of that if he hadn't gotten, if he hadn't gotten the following that he did. So, yeah, how he did. The trappings of fame is dangerous. Yeah. 
it's very, very, very dangerous. And I mean, I'm not here to defend the brother, but um, you know, when you gain a certain degree of attention, people gonna pay attention to the whole. Yeah. And so it sounds like in this, that's kind of what this is part of possibly what that could be about. People throwing dirt on your name and giving you giving you a crown of thorns. Um, we've seen example after example, especially in our community, where there are you know there is a lifting up of a person to a certain status, yeah. and then there is an active effort to pull that individual back down to earth. Um, yeah, and to me. I'm curious about whether or not that is part of the foundation of them removing themselves, um, not because they have something to hide per se, but because they want you to focus on what's being said. On, what's, on, what's, on the real things, yeah, not, you know, this is, you know, like, I know what's small, I know who these people are, but like, I know what they're trying to do. And for me, it, it comes powerful because I know it's coming from the homie. And I know about, like, I know he's like so humble and like he'll walk around like this, I can't even really part of this thing. Right. Knowing he really truly is. He's like, nah, but go listen to it. You know, like I really do, I, I believe that too. I I, I do take uh, pages out of this book, man. It's a lot I, It's a lot of work I do out there that, you know, people just don't know about because it's not about me. I don't want you to be like, oh, that's why. Like I partially, some of the clients, man, it's crazy because I get I'm getting a lot of clients now just because other people, you know, oh, you got Curtis? Damn, he must be hot. Right? Like I really do, you know, not are you known for the actual work itself? You know, so I get that. Like if you, you're gonna get a following, you're gonna get people loving it, they and they don't know who you are. They, they it's the content. It's truly the content. And Absolutely. you know, um, but then you know the, the the part where you get torn is, you know, like what are we what's the lesson you know what do we do we want it should we get monetized for this should we get monetized uh individually for this should we get recognized so we can further be monetized so that we can grow this thing that we're trying to grow right it's always yeah man it's really it's a really uh for me how i took that how i took that as well was uh that that same song you know i i felt like I felt like that man a lot, you know, and I still do feel like that. I, I still do, you know, I'd be tired, man. I'd be tired, bro. Yeah. I'd be so tired um, because, you know, I feel like the people that some of the people I try to work with don't have the same vision and I'd be mm-hmm. there. I'd be like, should I stop or, or, or keep going? Yeah. I think I'm torn. I think I'm torn, you know, but then like at the end of the day, I do know like I affect more people positively than I, than I would if I wasn't. When I wasn't around, but it's a constant struggle for me, you know. You know, I know the thing is, Rod. I know I I have education and I got so some wisdom in the thing. I know I can totally, you know, quit this art thing, quit this you know apparel thing, and I can get a, a desk job, nine to five, boy. But I won't be. I will. To me, I will not be a contributor to uh, society, man. And I don't. I can't move without knowing that I am fulfilling my obligation to the world as a human being, as a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that what you said was significant and that I think every artist um, kind of goes through this emotion of, um, you know, existing by going back to that whole thing that we were talking about earlier, like 
you making a shift to say, I don't want my life to be defined by, you know, the fact that I worked every day or, or I did this job for 30 years. I did what truly gave me fulfillment. And, you know, now we're just in a space where we're trying to figure out ways to ensure that working towards that fulfillment can pay your bills. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that is the struggle of the artists um, per se, but we all know how valuable art is and what it, how rich it, it makes humanity. Um, so that's extremely important. And I, I, I respect you in that, you know, and I, I respect you. I respect other people as well who have found very clear cut ways to develop a skill set that allows them to be artistic and also be able to feed their families. Um, and, and be able to stand within your truth, um, be it through art, be it through the creation of music. And I'm just now learning, you know, I'm older and I've been a musician for a long time and I never depended on music to pay my bills. I always had a great, felt like I had a great footing. Um, and I'm just now learning about how operating in the artistic world and the publishing world and things of that nature can potentially allow you to do certain things if you're very strategic and you're very good. And Buff and Majestic Legend are. And, you know, I talked about how when we talked uh, last week, we, you know, me and Jamal talked uh, during our last podcast. Um, you can check that out. Zero Noise Podcast. Follow us on Instagram. Let me do the plug real quick. You can also stream us <laughs> on all platforms. Some podcasts, I just do audio. I don't even like, yeah. like, I don't even like you doing, I, I I really don't even like doing YouTube like that because I don't want audio to go away as a platform. Right, right. right. You know, audio right. is a medium to me, not, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, um, nah, but what we were talking about is, you know, this this took him all over the world. Yeah, yes. You know? I, I never, I've never met a, I've never, I've never, like, I, I know it happens. Like, I know it happens. Mm-hmm. But I've never been so connected where I can call this dude from my phone and I know that th- I know a person, right? I have valid proof that not only can it happen via art, but it's a, a black man can use his art to be monetized that right. and take him all over the planet, man. Right, right. You right. know, like you gotta find the right spaces, and, and it's not like, oh my gosh, like I know this person. That's what makes him like he don't realize it, man. Like I be starstruck around Buff sometimes, bro. I really do, and I've known him for a, I've known him since he was a little dude. He younger than mm-hmm. me, but like I'm telling you, and you don't know him like that, but I've known Buff since before he was like when they first started AML when he was a young dude. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I used to be in Funkelligence, by the way. I used to be an MC in Funkelligence. Um, really? Yep, long time ago. Ask, ask him. Ask him. I didn't know that. Anybody, anybody who denies it wasn't actually in Funkelligence. It was me, Jackson, Mike, uh, Quentin. Actually, Quentin wasn't even the drummer at the time. It was a guy named, uh, I forget his name, Noah. Like okay. Noah. Oh, strictly game, uh, but um, Joey Abrams was the bass player. Topher Morris, guitar player. Anyways, I was, uh, but so here's why I wasn't in the um, 
in that that group anymore because I one day <laughs> this is a size quick side story. I was uh we had this show at Cross Street Station. Nobody had monitor ears in back in the day. We was broke. Okay. And uh, we had a show. It, it ended, man. It was like four. My ears was ringing till like four or five in the morning, bro. Uh-huh. I was like, I can't take this. I can't do this no more. And then also, I was the only one in the group who didn't live at home. I was the pay- only one paying bills. And they were trying to meet at all these obscure times over across Ann Arbor to meet for practice at Toast Crib. Uh-huh. And I couldn't always make it, man. I was out on these streets. I was trying to you know, make money, man. I was trying to survive. I was in survival mode. Anyways, I said that to say, you know, I also turned more into art because I was like, with, with visual art, I my ears ain't ringing when I leave. You know what okay. I'm saying? I was like, when I'm drawing, right. my ears ain't my ears ain't ringing. I can listen to music, draw, and but I say that to say, uh, I I ended up being the merch guy because I know Funny Tones, my homies. You know, it wasn't like a complete separation. I ended up being the merch guy, and I ended up. Uh, you know, really meeting Buff, man. And when I met that dude, I was like, he, he, he made me go, that's why I got, like, I don't really like music that much where I want to be an MC, you know, and don't get it twisted, right? I have bars. Don't get it twisted. I'm an artist. Um, I don't doubt that. But it was this one, it was this dude got up on stage and I was like, I want to get, I want to know this dude forever, dude. Something about this guy. This younger dude got on stage, got this smile, and he not and he not using it. Like I would have, like Buff not using his smile, like I would have used it. You know, still to this day, this dude got a million dollar smile. I think his low key has really got him into rooms that normally, you know, with our blackness, our melanin, it's hard to get in certain rooms unless you got a thing, a smile to show him to help let him feel cozy, just from appearance. And his smile kind of does that. And so with that, like he always had this energy with me. And when I when this album came out, it was it was like it was like I am just as connected with this guy. Um, I'm I'm connected with him, and he's connected with me. And he maybe he don't really understand how much it is. And man, when I heard this album, it was like this dude just wrote, these three people just put in and wrote an album for me to get through this thing. Mm. Man, okay. it, it, it's so profound. Um, to just be a part of, you know, this this space where I have these humans who can give me prime examples of if you just focus in on the thing you love to do, right? You, it'll it'll work. It'll work. And, ironic, and ironically enough, that came true for you. Yeah, man. Yeah. So but, again, it was, but it was the moment. It was because I decided not to do this no more. There just you stay go. Here. So, so go. everything comes full circle, and the yeah. music that you attach yourself to ended up being prophetic in your life. Yeah. Because yeah. when the Black Opera speaks about doing things in a selfless manner and taking themselves out of the equation and just choosing to serve the bigger purpose, spreading the warning, as they say. Yeah. We find our purpose. We That's find right. our truth. We find our value. That's the exact same thing that you did. Yes, sir. You chose to give away your talent and give away your skill um, to the world because you could do art before you started doing it after 2012. Mm-hmm. You could do it before then. 
But when you chose to give it to people, and I want you to know and understand that you're giving something extremely significant to people. Um, and I go back to the time at which that we worked together, that you worked with my group, and I saw people's faces. I saw how people responded to you. I noticed the energy that was in the room was palpable. So I would just tell you to just continue doing what you're doing. Um, I'm glad to consider you a friend. Um, I respect your artistry and I respect your spirit even more. Um, I want to thank, I want to thank you, Curtis Wallace for joining us today. Hopefully we'll get another black opera project at some point, yeah. but I know, you know, Buff is, you know, doing the AML thing right now. They just dropped yeah. another album. Check out Athletic Mike League on yes. all streaming platforms. Yes, uh, Kurt, yeah. I need your, I need your plugs. I'm Tell a, I am, where they can I connect am, with you at. I am the bcreativestudio.com uh, or you can get at me at thebeware.com. I'm also on Facebook, um, bcreative, uh, Ipsy, or, I'm sorry, bcreativestudio, Ipsy, or it's bcreativestudio. Um, and you know, <laughs> uh, in my studio, I, I, I called it the B creative studio is because it really does. I'm really trying to find artists to work with the company where we can really encapsulate and go all forms and walks of life. I'm trying to get DJs who want to be part of the, you know, B creative studio. I'm trying to get watercolor artists. I'm trying to get actors. I'm trying to just really, hone in on how uh, we can all be creative as a community and society. So if you're out there in the world and you're watching this and you have some kind of talent of artistic ability to offer, uh, have a seat, have a conversation with me, and I would love to just be a part of your world and help um, really pollinate um, your, your, your ideas um, in my creative space. Absolutely. Um, if you see me out in the world, I got bees all over me. I got on masks with bees. You got merch? Got the merch on? I got merch. It's all at thebeware.com or go to thebecreativestudio.com. And uh, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing live shows. They're all intimate, though. Um, I'm actually finding uh, a lot of joy in intimate parties. I've done 200 and some people at a party, but it's finding that these 10 people at a party is a real good way to connect with human beings. So if you're out in the world, stay tuned. Look for the schedule on the BeCreativeStudio.com and on Facebook. What's your What's your social media? My social media is uh, for Facebook. You mean for Instagram? Oh, for Instagram. Oh, Instagram is the Be Creative. It's Be Creative Ipsy, um, and it is uh, at, it's at Be Creative Ipsy, and it's at the Beware. And you can also find my personal page at CW Creative, C W C R E A T Y V. Uh, because I'm like that, and somebody stole the other name before. You, right. <laughs> somebody always steal your name. I get yeah. it. That's why. That's why Zero Noise got a Z. See, there you go. That's why oh. Noise got a Z in it. So yeah, hey. again, we want to thank Curtis Wallace for joining us. For you have something else to say? I'm sorry. Yeah, Curtis. one more thing, man. I just want to say, man, it is it is an honor, man, and a pleasure, and such a joy to not just meet you, bro, but man, like. When I met you, I was, for, I was, should I stop or keep going? Mm -hmm. You, the universe was like, here's Rod. Here's Rod Wallace. 
here's Rod Wallace from Flynn. Mm. So I really, you don't even know, man. The yoga I did after I met you, bro. Yeah, no doubt. So I, you know, I appreciate you, man, for real, for real. And I, my, my, my listen, my wife is a is a yoga fanatic, and yeah. I need to do some yoga. Yeah, you know, the flexibility part of it has always troubled me, but you know. I definitely need to step my game up on the yoga tip. We just want to, again, I just want to thank you, Curtis. We want to make sure that all of our listeners and watchers like, share, and subscribe no matter where you are across streaming platforms. We are trying to grow the platform and continue to bring you some great great content. I'd be remiss not to recognize one more time our sponsors, Grove Studios. Um, Check them out at growstudios.space. As well as Leon Speakers, leonspeakers.com. We also want to take the time to recognize the Amplify Fellowship. I'm very proud and honored to be working with um, some very, very talented artists. Uh, We have uh, projects coming out in June from each of our artists. That's going to be really fantastic. You can check us out at Um, amplify-fellowship.com. Absolutely. Just continue to follow, to, to focus on us. You can you got my IG and stuff right there. Where's Wallace and the Zero Noise podcast? And that's it. And we just want to make sure everybody remembers. Until next time, this is Rob Wallace. Support the artists and the artisans around you. Because if the music stops, everything else does. And even when it almost did last year, the music didn't stop, and the music brought us into the light. So everybody be cool, love each other, and be cool. Peace. Peace.